Hey, and again, I want to thank Val and the team for an incredible job uh, that they have done. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? So be sure to catch Val sometime and thank you for her ministry. Well, today we're starting out a brand new series as we head into the Christmas season. And it is entitled, A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. I love the Christmas Carol. How many of you really like one of your favorites, okay, during the holiday season? How many have seen it done on stage, live theater? Yeah, a lot of us have seen it that way. I have to confess, though, that one of my favorite versions is uh, this version here. Uh, you'll see on the screen. Uh, Scrooged uh, with Bill Murray. <laughs> Not a classic, but... <laughs> It was a 1988. Anybody see that movie? Yeah, 1988. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you should really, really take a look at it because what really was funny. I was trying to think what was so funny about the movie, and it really was this particular uh, ghost. This was the ghost of the present, uh, played by Jane Cook, uh, and <laughs> she just physically abused him here. Here she's pulling off his tongue. <laughs> She was beating on him and kicking him and doing everything else. So, uh, But uh, just want to give you insight into my mind. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, to get in the mood here, uh, we're going to watch a clip uh, from a more classic uh, Christmas carol. Uh, this is when uh, Jacob Marley comes as a spirit dressed in chains uh, again, in misery as he walks the streets and he can't help people. But again, he's suffering for the way he lived his life, like Ebenezer was living his life, a greedy, self-centered. And so he comes and visits Ebenezer and he's trying to warn him. And, of course, he says three ghosts are coming. So let's take a look at it. spirits walk the earth and why do they come to me it is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide and if that spirit goes not forth in life it is condemned to do so after death it is doomed to wander through the world oh woe is me and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth, and turn to happiness. You're fettered. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. It is a ponderous chain. Do you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear? It was as heavy and as long as this, seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. Jacob. Jacob Marley. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. Oh, never to be able to make amends for missed opportunities. Oh, the torture of remorse. 
Jacob, I, I, I don't understand why you're suffering all your life. You were a good businessman. That's why I'm suffering. The suffering I caused others is being repaid. Jacob, it was business. Business? Mankind was my business. The common good was my business. At this time of the rolling year, I suffer most. Why I can appear to you tonight in a shape that you can see, I do not know. But I have sat invisible beside you many and many a day, trying to reach you. Listen to me, Ebenezer. My time on Earth is nearly gone. I am here to warn you that you have a chance of escaping my terrible fate. A chance I got for you. You are always a good friend to me, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is this the chance you spoke of? It is. In that case, I'd rather not. Without their visits, you have no hope of escaping your fate. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over and done with? Expect the second spirit on the next night at the same time, and the third the night following at twelve. Look to see me no more. And for your own sake, remember what has passed between us. for good in human affairs, but they've lost the power forever. That is the curse we bear. It's such a powerful story because it, it's a story of the transformation of a man's life. And we're going to be looking at the ghost of Christmas past today. It's interesting as you look at the history of A Christmas Tale. It was written in 1843 by Charles Dickens in London. And it was rooted in a lot of his experiences in childhood. Charles Dickens had a very difficult childhood. Uh, he, his father was put in prison for three months, and therefore that meant he had to quit school and find his own lodging, and then he started to work in this factory, uh, and he was a little bit above class of these other kids, so they were constantly making fun of him and making life difficult for him, and his life was very lonely, and he had 
kind of this dual relationship with his father. He really loved him, but at the same time, he kind of demonized him for the things that he did and the ways that uh, he brought pain into his life. And so you can see those elements in uh, Christmas Carol, uh, the idea uh, of the pain of life, uh, the idea of, of, of relationships that have gone wrong, that inspired uh, the story. So my question for you today is, what about your Christmas past? What comes to your mind when you think about past Christmases? What comes to mind when you think about your family, your, uh, your close family as well as your extended family? You see, that's where things get complicated because it's so strange that the people that we love the most, we treat the worst. Isn't that true? The people we love the most, we treat the worst because you know, we got to keep up our public image, you know, <laughs> as we go throughout the day. But if we're really frustrated or angry, we'll come home and be impatient and angry and uh, selfish. I mean, everything comes out there. You know, kind of let your hair down in a sense because they're kind of stuck with you. <laughs> well, that causes a lot of pain. And as you reflect upon your family relationships, maybe this is a very difficult holiday uh, for you uh, for that reason because you're always seeing all of these images of all these happy families on TV and you say, well, I'm wrong. Well, uh, that isn't what commonly happens are those happy families on TV, as we know. Uh, we need to uh, reflect upon our family. And maybe uh, you're not even talking to some of your family members. Maybe the worst thing you can think of is going to a Christmas gathering because of all the baggage uh, from the past. And the only way God says that you can deal with that, that you can become whole and healthy again, is to forgive, to forgive. And I know there's a lot of complex situations out there, a lot of traumatic experiences. Uh, but over time, God wants you to move toward forgiveness. In fact, Peter had a question for Jesus in Matthew 18. We're going to be looking today, a parable. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, you got to remember, well, first, one thing I want you to do during the message is to think of one person that you're having a tough time forgiving. And you think, hey, there's nobody. Think a little harder. <laughs> okay. Because sometimes you think you've forgiven someone, but when you think about them, you still have a lot of ill will towards them and emotion. That means you haven't fully move through the forgiveness process, you know that when you're at the forgiveness uh, end, when you uh, can think well of that person and you, can, you, you have positive thoughts about them because you've forgiven them. You're no longer holding something against them. So just think about one person in your life as we apply God's word uh, to our lives. So Peter says this and he says, hey, as many as seven times, I mean, if, if a person continues to sin against you in the same way, how many times do I have to put up with this? Seven times? Now, 
Peter, of course, thought that he was extremely generous because the Jews said three times, and then you cut it off. Right? You don't have to forgive the person. He's doubling it more. He's saying, Lord, look how generous I am. Seven times? Is that how many times I should forgive my brother? Well, in verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now, different versions, seventy-seven or seventy times seven. But the point is, if you're keeping score, you're far from forgiveness, right? Jesus Christ's point is, is that you keep on forgiving. We don't want to do that. But that's what he calls us to do. There was a uh, a story that I read about this past week. And it was a writer who visited his ancestral home and his father told him about an old woman who every day would get out of her house, no matter what the weather was like, and she had a cane, and she moved very, very slowly. And she walked all the way up to the cemetery on the hill. That was three hours. And then all the way back down. Every day like clockwork. Now, why in the world would she be going to the cemetery? Did she lose her husband? Did she lose a child? No, that's where her arch enemy was buried. Atois, another woman. And she would go there every day just to spit on her grave. True story. Just to spit on her grave. Friends, bitterness is like a cancer. Bitterness is incredibly powerful in our lives, and it go deep within us, and it must be ripped out by the power of God because it can consume us. So let's take a look at uh, verse 23. Jesus goes into this parable, master, illustrator. He said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle one, was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So these are his servants. He's entrusted financial resources uh, to them, just like God entrusts financial resources to us to manage on his behalf. And somehow this guy really messed up. I mean, this is like $12 million in debt. $12 million in debt. It continues on in verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, whoa, why do the wife and kids have to go? (laughs) Well, there was no chapter 11, no chapter 7. Back in that day, if you went bankrupt, uh, the father went to prison and the whole family went into slavery until they could pay it off. And many times they could never Uh, pay it off. So, in verse 26, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Come on, $12 million? He'd never be able to pay him everything. He was just trying to get him to change his mind. 
Well, let's look at the reasons now why we should forgive out of this parable. Matthew 18:27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Just imagine that, a $12 million debt. And the king has compassion and mercy and grace, and he releases him. He forgives him. Can you imagine that? Let's say that you bought a house a while ago, $200,000, right? And now the house, maybe let's say for illustration purposes, is underwater at 150 and uh, the bank calls you and they said, you're the family of the year. We do this every year. What we do is we're going to buy your house for the 200000 that you originally paid, plus another $1.8 million. $2 million. Right? So you're underwater to being $2 million worth. That's pretty good. How would you be feeling at that point? You guys are going to look more excited here, you know. <laughs> That's a good thing now, isn't it? Huh? Wow, I mean, what would you be doing? That night after you got the news, you'd bring all your friends over and you'd say, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. You wouldn't believe this. This is a dream, of course. It's never going to happen to you. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how they forgave my debt. And, and now I'm going to be able to get a, a nicer house and, and, and help so many other people out and, and all those things. I mean, you'd be all over social media. You tell everybody you could about this incredible news. And that's what this what happened to this guy in a sense. But you know, it's interesting that uh even though that's the way we should respond, sometimes we don't. We have to remember though, this is really the key motivation and the the power that comes with it to forgive other people is that God forgave us. If we've accepted that gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, we were doomed to an eternity of suffering because of our sin. Because of our sin. And He wiped that away with Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And friends, in the same way, we should just be as joyous and overwhelmed and overcome and blown away by the grace of God. And that He would do that for us. He has a justice system. And He satisfied it by sending Jesus, part of Himself. Well, we look on in Matthew 18.28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, so there's the guy who had just been forgiven the debt. He found out one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and that's like seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars. Right? And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. Can you imagine this? It just sounds ridiculous. This guy has just been Forgiven of all this debt, and then he goes out to a guy who owes him a hundred dollars. 
Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that what he said to the king? What does this guy say? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And whenever I read this parable, I'm just stunned by that reaction. I think, wow, what's the deal with that? But uh, then I, I started to think about my own life, and I've received this incredible grace from God. And I struggle with forgiveness. The reason that he did this is because I believe he didn't really feel that he was forgiven. A lot of Christians live that way. They come to Christ, they receive this free gift of salvation, but still they don't quite feel forgiven. They feel like they still have to kind of earn God's favor. And you did all this for me, well, I'm going to do a lot for you. I'm going to do everything that you want me to do. I'm going to be totally committed to you in every way. And, and just to make sure that you know how grateful I am. But it, it becomes a more of a legalistic type of thing. That's because these people don't understand what grace is. Grace is a free gift. Uh, when you believe you're forgiven, you will forgive others. You see, that's one of the challenges that some of us have. It's hard for us to forgive others. Because we fully don't appreciate how much God has forgiven us. Have you ever think about that? I mean, the seriousness of sin and how it hurts God and how it hurts people and the things you've said and the things you've done over your lifetime and the things you will do that uh, He had every right to bring down justice on you, but He didn't. I think... That's what we struggle with. We don't think enough about grace. We don't think enough about the fact that this was a free gift. We don't think enough about the fact that we're children of God. We don't think enough about the fact that we're going to celebrate with Him eternity, in eternity, forever and ever. So therefore, when somebody snubs us, when somebody says something nasty to us, we just can't let go of it because we truly haven't felt the love of God. Notice it says, he says he choked him. That was legal to do. If somebody owed you money, you could choke him. <laughs> okay? That was in the Roman uh, law books. But, but you ever come across a person who's harsh, judgmental, unbending, critical, negative, ungracious? Well, if that's the case, that person is carrying around unresolved guilt. They have deep guilt within their heart. And instead of dealing with it, all that negativity, all that garbage, again, that's festering down here, comes out of them. And they they don't even see the connection uh, sometimes. We've got to understand the grace of God. And this is a beautiful parable to see this man forgiven of his debt. And I, I would encourage you to, Reflect on these verses uh, this week in your time alone with God. And really just start to think about what He's done for you. It's amazing. And then Ephesians 4.32 kind of sums it all up. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. 
Why should we forgive? Why should we be tender-hearted? tender-hearted? Why should we be kind? Why should we forgive? Because we have received the most amazing gift of grace. And, and we need to let... I mean, you can pray to God. Say, Lord, help me to appreciate Your grace even more and more. Help me to understand it. Because the more I understand it, the greater capacity I have to forgive other people in my life. Well, why should I forgive? Another reason is resentment makes me miserable. I came across a funny story this past week. Uh, there was a guy who collects old newspapers. And this was in a 1930s Chicago Herald Examiner. The headline said, Man spites his wife by staying blindfolded in bed for seven years. <laughs> That's kind of strange. Uh, <laughs> his name was Harry Havens, and he lived in Indiana. And, and, and he, I don't know if he was retired or whatever, but he, he wanted to help his wife around the house. Now, how many women would like that, right? Help around the house, you know, washing the dishes, straightening the pictures. But for some reason, uh, she didn't like the way he was doing it, and she scolded him. And he got very, very, very angry. And he laid down in bed, and he said, Hey, if that's the way you're going to treat me, I don't want to see you or anybody else for the rest of my life. And so he put a blindfold on, and he laid there for seven years. Uh, and then finally he got up. And they asked him, Why would you get up? So the bed was becoming a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Friends, we laugh at that kind of stuff. But again, as we look at our own lives and how long we've hung on to that one thing that our mom or dad or brother or sister or someone else close to us did to us, how much they hurt us, you know, we, not, we might, be, might not be lying down in bed, but it's eaten up our insides. And it's robbing us of joy and energy and all that God desires for us. Well, after the servant had thrown his uh, friend in jail for $17, well, the other servants saw it and they went back and told the king. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Well, yeah, you'd be greatly distressed too if you saw the same thing. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgive you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. That's what resentment does to you and I as we hold on to it. It's like we build this little inner prison within ourselves. and It dominates our thoughts and, and creates all types of conflict and friends. I know you know this, but let me just remind you about one thing. The person you have hurt is oblivious to how they're hurting you on a daily basis now. I mean, they hurt you once, and now they're hurting you every day as you think about it, and, and you are resenting it and bitter about it. And they're going along, you know, whatever. Does that sound fair? No, I mean, it just, it just makes sense to forgive. 
when you've been forgiven by God. Rather than carrying that disease around with you from day to day. Job has an interesting insight in verse 23. It says, One dies in his full vigor, full vigor, being holy at ease and secure. He pales full of milk, and the marrow of his bones are moist. So, he's in good shape. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. Does anybody know a really bitter person? I'm just curious. In your life, you know, bitter people. Keep looking, they're out there. <laughs> yeah, I've talked to a lot of bitter people, and uh, it's it's sad. It's sad because they think that they're making the right type of investment when they're not. In fact, psychologists who study happiness say that the most toxic thing for happiness is materialism. Materialism will not never ever satisfied. You'll always be looking for the next best thing. But a psychologist in Michigan, Christopher Peterson, said, forgiveness is the truth most strongly linked to happiness. Forgiveness is the truth most strongly linked to happiness. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. God has forgiven you. And you can give two gifts away this Christmas. First of all, you can forgive the person that you feel has wronged you. So you're giving them a gift by forgiving them. But at the same time, you're forgiving. Uh, you're letting go of that bitterness and that anger that you've let fester in your heart and soul. Another reason is I'll need forgiveness in the future. I'll need forgiveness in the future. Matthew 18:35, the final verse in this parable. So also my heavenly Father will do every will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. From your heart. It talks about true forgiveness. That's not lip service. That's not just saying, "Oh yeah, I, I forgive you." No, that means a, an internal change that takes place. To the Holy Spirit. And friends, forgiveness is a skill, an ability, the power of the Holy Spirit that you will have to practice all your life until you die. People will still continue to hurt you year by year by year by year by year. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. And God already told you what to do with it. Forgive the person. Because I forgave you and experience the grace that I've given you. And you'll even become more uh, forgiving. It's really a way of life. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Anybody born with another person? Somebody's just been kind of irritating. Child going through a difficult stage in life. <laughs> you just get up every day and... I'm not going to bear with this again. <laughs> that's, that's what we do with the people we love. And if one has a complaint against another, all right, you've hurt me, forgiving each other. That's, that's the way the body of Christ, you know, if you have bitterness or some type of ill will uh, towards someone in our family here, uh, you should resolve that. You should work through 
that it's so much easier just to avoid people. Uh, you know, people will just go way, way out of their way to avoid people that they have bitterness against, right? It's crazy. And let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Many times people say, well, if I forgive that person, it's just like they're getting off free and they're not feeling my revenge. (laughs) Friends, yes, if they've done something serious against you, you just don't say it's no big deal. I mean, if you, however you might forgive that person, uh, you might just say, this really deeply hurt me. But I've chosen to forgive you because Jesus Christ forgave me. There's a lot of different ways to forgive someone. I mean, hey, it might be your mom or dad, and they're dead. You can write a letter out to them. Put it at their gravesite. Do creative things because you've got to work through these sinful emotions or how we respond to being hurt. And it could be that the person could care less. Uh, they don't feel like they should be forgiven because they didn't do anything wrong. They think, well, that's okay. But the point is that you need to forgive them. Another thing about forgiveness, it's not an instant restoration of trust. So let's say you have a marriage relationship and one person deeply hurts another person in some way. It just doesn't mean, oh, I forgive you, okay, let's get back to where our relationship was. No, trust is at the foundation of every relationship. And if someone has hurt you, let's say uh, some, your husband's abused you and you kicked him out of the house, you can forgive him, but that doesn't he moves back right away. He's got to earn that trust back. You always lose trust when you hurt other people. So they can forgive you, but you have to go along that long process of showing that you truly have uh, changed. The third thing is you need to, you don't have to resume the relationship in the same way. It's not like you have to go, you had a big issue and with a friend. It doesn't mean you have to be uh, best friends again. Uh, maybe it's just not possible. But the important thing is that you deal with the issue at hand. The relationship might be different. But God will lead you in what he would have you to do in that area. Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. This is the toughest thing to do. When you forgive somebody, and maybe, of course, they really did something to you wrong, you feel like you are the judge. And you're the person who's going to take revenge. No. I mean, who better to judge that person than God, right? Objective, all-powerful. So choose, just give it to Him. Say, Lord, I forgive this person, and you go and handle whatever else you need to do, Right? You just got to release it to him. The Bible is very clear about this. A true story about uh, a 16-year-old girl many years ago, Shannon Etheridge. Uh, she was driving to school on a country road, and she didn't uh, see uh, this person, who was Marjorie Rafster, riding a bicycle. And she hit her, and she killed her. And all the evidence was... 
negligence. You kill this person, and of course, you know, she was just overcome with guilt. She kept thinking about, you know, ways to commit suicide and things like that. But there's one person who saved her life, and that was Gary Roster, the husband who had lost his wife. And he went to her and he said, listen, I forgive you all the charges are dropped. Don't let this ruin your life. Walk closely with Jesus Christ. And now you are the legacy of my wife. What a gift, huh? What a tremendous gift you can give. In fact, Shannon Etheridge went on to write books like Every Woman's Challenge, Every uh, Girl's uh, Battle, that is, and uh, come out with other books. I mean, she has had just a, such a tremendous ministry with women who have been hurt, with women who have gone through very difficult times just because of this one guy who forgave her. Give the gift of forgiveness. It's a beautiful gift. To give. You'll enjoy it because it'll get it off your chest and you'll be obeying the Lord, and hopefully the other person will reciprocate. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, it's easy to talk about these things. It's a whole other thing to do it because those feelings are very real. But I pray for each of us as we process through this truth and Think about that one person that's in the forefront of our mind. And as we move throughout this Christmas season, that we would pray for that person. We would pray for them. That's one of the beautiful ways to kind of, you know, get positive feelings generated towards someone else when you pray for them. And for those who are in the midst of the forgiveness process, I pray you continue to strengthen them and give them the grace uh, to stay true to the course. In Christ's name, amen.